Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, D-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guessed it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts for absolutely free 99. I know I kind of joked about having Susan on the podcast to talk about Star Wars, but we missed Star Wars Day. I don't want to like kind of retread that. We're going to have obviously some content with Obi-Wan coming up, but I figured I did want to talk to Susan. You guys can read the episode title. You know why we're here. Between Two Palms is back. The MCU is back. We covered the entire MCU at the start of the pandemic. And by God, here we are again talking about the next MCU feature. Susan, how are you doing this evening? I'm great. Happy to be here as always. Happy to have you. So before we get into this, um, if you've never heard us do this before, so I'm a giant nerd, and I tricked Susan into marrying me. And over the course of our relationship, I've been slowly brainwashing her into becoming a nerd herself. And so this is kind of where we we, we watch things together and enjoy them. And as we put them on the podcast, you can search between two palms in any of the uh, archives and find all the t- other times we've done this. I want to kind of talk about, and, and just so everyone knows, we're talking about uh, Dr. Strange Two Multiverse Madness. Here be spoilers. We've seen the movie. It's been a week since it's been out. I feel like that's a good buffer zone for spoilers. There is a spoiler review behind the paywall right now. Listen to that review. That's like our expert level. Like we'll talk about like themes and Rose getting all fucking literary with us, and it's a very good review. This is not that. This is going to be Susan and I having fun talking about a movie that we both really enjoy. So. I want to start talking about first kind of how we got here, your journey as a nascent Marvel fan and why this is kind of a fun podcast for someone who isn't as well-versed as me, but maybe as enthusiastic as you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what I, one of the things I love about watching these movies with you is that you go in with so much knowledge and I go up, go out in with almost none. <laughs> and it's, it's still a really enjoyable experience. I really appreciate that you set the table by explaining that I don't know what I'm talking about. But it's, but I, I think that like, how do you say it that way? For me, that's, that's the fun of it, honestly, because it reminds me that like, while part of all of this is like a nerd who was like 13 hiding reading comics, like very much feeling vindicated against all the people who's hiding comics from, it also is a very good reminder that I'm but a subsection of the billion dollars that these things make. And so people like you who are just knowledgeable because of what they've been shown on the screen, that's, way more important than my nerd ass feeling vindicated. And oh, by the way, kids, I was super right. Comics are awesome. Um, let's talk about kind of the way we've gotten to Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. When last we all talked, I guess last time you and I talked about one of these movies, I don't even know last time we did we do Black Widow? I don't think we did. No. See that's weird. See now I feel bad about skipping like five movies. But let's talk about kind of a thirty thousand foot view of phase four so far. Um, Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, No Way Home, and then obviously the television series, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, and Hawkeye, and of course, WandaVision. And so I think that if you look kind of large-scale thematically, Phase 2 was this huge event of the snap and five, five years getting taken away, this has kind of been the fall out of that. It's kind of all these been these meditations on grief. Yeah. I mean, the, the insight they've given us 
given us to characters that we didn't have before has been really fun. Really, really fun. Right. And I think it's, I think it's interesting and kind of powerful that the, the, and I can't really compare it to anything because no one's ever done anything this ambitious as far as this many movies of a connected universe. But when you think of movie franchises, you don't think of, well, let's deal with the emotional payoff of the crazy thing that happened. We think of, let's make the movie about the next crazy thing that happens. And I think a very interesting quote from one of the interviews going into the movie from Benedict, or from, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, excuse me, was that when you go to these movies first, you have to understand that every one of them is a character story before, a character study before it's anything else. For sure. And you add these other things that are all these, these big events, obviously the paint and, and the MCU of it all and the wit and the humor and the things that make he coming back. But at the core is we put, we're going to put this character through some things that are going to make us reevaluate and the character itself reevaluate the relationship with itself. And so, for me, this phase has been interesting because one of my favorite of the earlier phase movies was Iron Man 3. And while I have my problems with kind of how it was marketed, it's interesting because that movie's just about Tony beating death in the Avengers. Yep. It's a character study. It's, it's, it's very much, it's very much a deconstruction of why does this man who doesn't have to put on armor anymore still put on this armor? And why yeah. do you feel the need to build? And so I think carrying that into phase four has been really interesting, particularly talking about the larger characters that we're to deal with in this movie. Doctor Strange, we haven't seen on screen since Spider-Man, but prior to that, it was in-game. It was, this is the guy who caused the snap to happen. This is the guy who robbed the, the universe. Half of it of five years. And while we've seen reflections of that in some of the what-if content, and we saw kind of a piece of that, I think, shine through in the Spider-Man cameos, the Spider-Man co-starring role, whatever you want to call it. This is really the first time we get the weight of Doctor Strange made a call, and everyone kind of had to live with it. But they deal with it because they won. But as we open, he's at the funeral, and we see the, the other character saying, hey, was there any other way to do this? And I, I frankly hadn't even thought of it that way. Until this movie, the weight of the decision that he had to make because he was the only one who knew how it would play out. Like that is, that alone is traumatic. It's super traumatic. (laughs) And then when you go back even further and say, oh, but why didn't you use the multiverse? There was no multiverse when the decision was made. It didn't exist. Yep. Because that all happened because of Loki. And again, this is like the, the world building that they've done and kind of taught all you guys, you normals, how to read comic books, which is fun for me. Um, and I think that what you mentioned, you said this to me asked you at the theater, is that it was so cool at the very beginning of the movie to see Doctor Strange as a superhero for like five seconds. For sure. He jumps off like the balcony and he's like ready to handle business. And then, of course, you know, should have the fan and everything flips on his head really quickly. But yeah, I was excited. I was like, ooh. Like a it's, superhero it, movie. It's a movie like, that really hits the ground running and doesn't really let up. Yeah, it opens with like, the proposed death of a child. <laughs> yes. It opens with them literally running for their lives and being like, I may have to kill you to take your powers to save the universe. And like, it's, that's it's dark. the conceit we start things with. Yeah. And before we push forward into the plot of the movie, I want to talk about the secondary character who's gotten a lot of backstory going into this, and that is Elizabeth Olsen's 
Wanda Maxwell. I say her name because I'm of a generation where I guess the Olsen twins were like a joke or a punchline. A punchline? And somehow their little sister turned out to be this fantastic actress. Listen, I I have to say, I disagree with you about the, the no, that's not what we're talking about. But as a, a child of the 90s, the Olsen twins were everything, Daniel. Doesn't negate the talent of their younger sister, but a joke? Come on. I'm not going to sit here and debate the Olsen twins with you, who <laughs> produce such luminary classics as New York Minute. They are talented fashion designers now, okay? This is a weird place for us to find friction. I'm just saying. On air. Anyway. I'm just, no, I'm anyway. just saying. I was like, I didn't, I, normally I can, I can kind of build in the places where I know we'll disagree. This is someone I didn't see coming. I thought I could get off a good Olsen Twins joke and just kind of roll forward, but here yep. we are. Um, yep, yep. I appreciate you that. holding my feet. No, no, no. I appreciate you, you holding me to a task. So. I had to take a stamp. It's, it's important to stand for something. If there's something you should learn from this podcast, that is it. And uh, Wanda Maximoff stands for whatever the hell she feels like. So what I was trying to explain to everyone, and if you guys listen to our podcasts on the Super Tuesday feed, during WandaVision, I was – and Susan, you saw it on the couch with me. I was just like, none of this is cute. It's not kitschy. It's not fun. From Jump Street, I was like, this is terrifying. You should all be terrified. Yeah, you experienced it in a way that I think most people did not, which was really fun to see firsthand. <laughs> it was like creeping dread. Every second that, that things are like, oh, look, now it's not black and white anymore. I'm like, well, why isn't that scary to you? Why isn't that mm-hmm. weird? Like, everyone should be asking more questions. And when um, <laughs> when Juan is introduced in this movie, I feel immediately vindicated because – and we're gonna kind of, I guess we're gonna kind of go through the plot here because, like we said, it opens up with the proposed death of a child, and then Doctor Strange being a superhero. Although the superhero moment becomes immediately very Sam Raimi because he pulls that thing's eye out. Yes, this is a violent film. It's a, it's a violent film. It is, it is, and I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it. It is Evil Dead Four with two hundred million dollar budget. It is. Does it have zombies? Check. Does it have? A possessed left hand? Check. Does it have a giant book as a MacGuffin? Check, check, and check. Like, it is Evil Dead. And um, I appreciate that. I, this is not, not a complaint. Huge. I like Sam Raimi. Not a complaint whatsoever. But it is a horror movie covered in MCU paint. And they tell you that from Jump Street when that eye gets pulled out. Like, it, it's yeah. gross. That's all there is to it. Visually, it's different. Visually, it's definitely different. Um, and they make that clear immediately. That's a great point. So from there, the movie moves forward, and this is where we run into Wanda, and we realize that, oh, no, wait, they spent these intervening years making her horrifying. And the just the conversation where she lets it slip that she knows America's name, like that in of itself, the delicacy with which Elizabeth Olsen played that scene. Because there's a way to play it where it's too arch, where you give away the game. Oh, the t- you know what I'm saying? Yes, for sure. I mean, I – I, even though, again, I, like, witnessed you experience uh, <laughs> her show, like, very differently than I than I perceived it, because you know so much more about the character, I didn't expect it to twist that way, I, which is, you know, ignorance on my part, for sure. But, I mean, it turns on a dime. It's so good. Like, the, the coolness of her tone? Mm-mm. No. The, the line delivery of, 
you never told me your name, did you? Yeah. She's like, ah, oh, damn. And it's just this, it, you're right. It's a little chilling. bit longer. It's a very, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very chilling. It's very, you're not going to get, bit, get back in the lunchbox this way. Like, yep. And, and then it starts really leading into the aspects that I thought really resonated with you because you kept talking about it's very witchy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I love a, a horror movie and I love I horror in general, but I mean, a witch? Oh, my God. It's so fun. It's like a, I, it's not campy, but like the, yeah. I love all of it. Like, like the, the wardrobe, the, the costume, the vibe, like she the, reminded the, the me of. The guitar solo over the magic? Yes. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like just enough. Yeah, yeah, just enough. Just enough. For it. It's like a, a love letter to all these horror movies that definitely are Raimi's time, but it's also like doing an MCU movie at the same time. It's, yeah, uh, the tone of her voice, like it's yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. When when she when Strange says to her, "Your children never existed," which never say that to a woman, particularly a, a, a woman with this kind of power. Don't say that. Find another way to phrase it. Um, she says, "I made." He says, "You made your children through magic," and he looks. She looks him dead in the face and says. I'm a mother. That's what mothers do. And I had nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is, that's true, I guess. <laughs> it, it, it's horrifying. And I, my favorite yeah. part of the, not my favorite part of the whole movie, but one of the funnier parts of the movie for me was when she starts to apologize for Wesky when Strange shows up and Strange is like, I'm not here about your television show. This is a movie. Like this is, like, yes, this is, uh, let's reestablish what really matters here. But, uh, from there, Wanda tracks him down and we kind of get to see for the first time, the Scarlet Witch be the Scarlet Witch. Because what a transformation. Wes, you say what you will, it was a mistake or an accident, yada, yada, yada. This was, I'm going to come and wreck these people until you give me this child. Yeah, she's unstoppable. And it's 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 horrifying the way they, they kind of have her infiltrate the, the camouflage and then traveling through the, the reflections and really zombieing herself out for the first time as she comes to the reflections. And then we get obviously the multiversal, the, the push where they get shoved through to earth 838, which Susan, I know that you're, 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 you're enjoying it. And this is a lot of fun for you. Borderline religious experience for me. Oh, I saw you almost come out of your chair multiple times in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, something's <laughs> happening. He knows what all of these things mean. <laughs> well, before that happens, like, no they, do, like, the, they, they fly through all these universes, and at one point they're paint, and then they're animated, showing you that what if is in canon, which is interesting. Um, and then at one point you see the living tribunal, and there's like four people listening. You're like, yes, I saw it too. The rest of you, the other four people are saying, what's he talking about? Um, but they end up landing in this kind of utopian reality they track down carl morto they get kidnapped by the illuminati we'll get back to that in a second in our universe wanda is dreamwalking and the idea that your dreams are are portals to the multiverse is intriguing and horrifying i mean i'm not a doctor maybe <laughs> but when Wong's like, I have a dream where I'm naked and running, like, yeah, it's somewhere out there that's happening. Yeah, that's that's yep. not great. Um, <laughs> There's something about the the magic aspect, like the witchy <laughs> magic aspect of of this story in particular that keeps me from questioning things. If that makes yeah. sense, like I, I'm totally that person that's like, how did that get there? Who built that? How did they? You know what I mean? Like I try to. I, 
I don't do it intentionally, but it just naturally I'm curious, you know. But all they got to do is say, like, oh, oh, it's magic? It's magic. It's the mystical arts. And I'm like, oh, that's how it happens. Totally, I just write it off. Very, it's been a very magic-y, uh, magic-y phase thus far. Um, yeah. So Wanda uses the, the, the dark hole to dreamwalk, taking over another multiversal version of herself. Which is very funny because this is the first time we get like the full on Wanda floating cross leg with like magic books floating around and a guitar. Yeah, exactly. It was it was the craft like with a huge budget, and I would really yes, like two <laughs> two seconds away from doing light as a feather, stiff as a board. Like come on, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here for it. I know there's nothing there's nothing you can do over here for it, but then you get to see kind of I like that this first aborted Dreamwalk happens because the first time we see her do it she hops into the other one his body the kids start kicking swinging about ice cream and she's kind of in her head about it and we see kind of the true horror of what she's done she's herself of another reality and then yeah, we get it's the also other, the dichotomy um, of seeing both of them together like the right. the wanda that's been tainted and the version of herself that she deep down i think still thinks that she is like the doting mother that, mm-hmm. you know. And then even like the small creepy horror things that she's walking through the kitchen, like the storm in the teacup and the, the, the image, the, the picture following her through the the room. It's a little yeah. horror. And like even the decisions with like the, the, the camera, like the way they're, they flip your perspective as the scene is occurring. Yes. It's like she's haunted by herself. Like it's scary. Yeah, and we'll talk about kind of the, the larger theme and kind of how that's woven through a lot of this phase at the end of the year. But yeah, she so she invades that mind. The other one of the acolytes from Camartage stabs the book and turns into ash, and then like one tear rolls down her cheek because Sam Raimi is a horror dude. Um, for your advice, if you're taking a child to see this movie, PG-13 is like an accurate representation of this movie. Yeah, it's pretty it's graphic. Not PG-13 because they're being cheeky. It's it's by far the most graphic Marvel movie. By far. Yeah. Um, agreed. And this death's pretty gruesome too. There's a lot of very gruesome deaths. Her stabbing the books a gruesome death. Wanda tortures what I assume is Bova. Again, four people and four people. I appreciate you guys. Um, to get information as to where the dark hold can come from, they get taken to Matt Wondergore. I squealed in my seat. You made no noise. Um, <laughs> and they found where the, the book was written from. And so Wanda reinvades her body. Meanwhile, on Earth 838, Strange is brought before the Illuminati. And Susan, tell me, were you excited to see this? Did this, did this, did this ring the ring a bell for you? No. No. Oh, come on. No, I mean, I, only no, like no. the Illuminati. The Illuminati? When I hear yeah, like Illuminati, Captain I think Carter. of like. Like Beyonce and Jay Z, you know. That's all I got. I, this is not that podcast. <laughs> I know, this but that's. I just show you how clueless I am. I know nothing about this. Well, okay, like, so so yeah. maybe not hearing the name Illuminati, but see, but when when Strange gets brought before these people, and you see Peggy Carter as Captain Carter. Yes, lost my shit. <laughs> Maria Rambo, like literally, she could have been the one flying that plane. Like it's it was. I like those two inclusions because it showed you that it's still rooted in our reality, and obviously Mordo being Carl Mordo. And then we get the rest of it. We get Black Bolt, who you didn't care about, which is fine. But for nerd husband, 
very cool moment because they made that horrible inhuman television show and they let the actor actually be Black Bolt in the movie. Yeah. Um, and then the biggest noise that came from me was John Krasinski as Reed Richards. And I guess I can plug my own. St- is it weird? It's weird. Um, Are you going to do it anyway? I'm totally going to do it anyway. On this network, I also record the Character Corner podcast. We do deep dives in the individual characters two or three hours. And we've been doing this thing called the uh, review of the Hickman versus John Hickman's fantastic writer, but they started taking things from and putting their movies about seven, eight movies ago. John Krasinski's always been rumored to be Reed Richards. And he's a potential character in Hickman's writings. And while the rumors were always out there, it was also his burdened by the fact that Emily Blount, is it Blunt or Blount? You know these people. It's Blunt. Blunt. Blunt, his wife, excuse me, was actually going to be Black Widow. Another studio activated her claws on some sequels so she couldn't do it. So it went to Scarlett Johansson. That's how the role got to her. But the idea that they could cast Krasinski and then maybe cast Emily Blunt as his wife, as Sue Sor- or Sue Richards, it's just the whole thing. That was a big little butter to me. I appreciated that. And then we get Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier, which they kind of tease in all his commercials, but like the floating yellow chair, like, I don't know. It just seemed a lot cooler than the X-Men, the, the one we'd seen in Fox. No, I, it, it's fun because everything counts mm-hmm. and they're so generous. They're yes. so gen Like, like what you talked about when we first started, like they're, they are generous to all fans, new fans, fans who know every bit of what has ever happened with these characters. Like, it's it's for everybody. And doing things like this, it's so, like, how can you watch this and not be, have some sort of satisfaction coming out of this? Like, it's, it's so fun. So we get the we get the, the trial of Doctor Strange. We get to see what happened. The they're strange, the truth, all these machinations and people need hero speeches from Peggy Carter. And then Wanda comes back. Yeah, I take it back. This isn't fun. Uh, not all of this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It is fun. It turns all, again, but none of because they aren't our version of these characters. So they give you that level of remove. But you're right. It gets real serious real fast. And Wanda, if you wanted to debate, is Wanda a bad guy? I oh wouldn't. God. I mean, Kamratage kind of sealed it for me and all the I'm going to kill this child part. But if you had a question. When she takes away Black Bolt's mouth. Oh my god. And deflates that man's head like a volleyball. It's so I oh, I can see it in my my mind's eye. So Physically. <laughs> it sticks with you, you know? Is that not something that goes away? You don't expect it. It it was they let Sam make the, a horror movie and they just put yeah. a bunch of Marvel stuff in it. Like that's all the yeah, she walks in the room, and it's all headshots, and it's it's a lot. They send a bunch of Ultrons after her first. First of all, bad idea. Read your wikis. Um, but, yeah, she tears through the Illuminati, like, so quickly. And, I, of course, for me, the comic nerd, all the Reed Richards stuff, I'm just freaking out about talking about his kids and his wife. I'm just losing it. And then she turns him into spaghetti. Yep. Which, yeah, not great. Um, then she gets into a good fight. And this it's is something wild. I thought was interesting. Well, it's something that's, that's hit phase four differently. Agnes, um, 
uh, Agnes in the, the WandaVision show, Shang-Chi's sister in his movie, uh, Yelena from both Hawkeye and Black Widow, um, uh, 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 Athena in Eternals, uh, Makari in Eternals, Kate in Hawkeye, uh, uh, Layla in Moon Knight, like they, uh, uh, Sylvia and Loki, they get, this phase has been very female-led, and I thought it was very interesting to have her fight against Illuminati where she wipes up both the men immediately and gets this extended fight with essentially one of the weaker of the, the Illuminati and Captain Carter and obviously, you know, Captain Marvel. I thought that was a good directorial choice that was subtle, but also kind of what Marvel does. They just kind of do it and don't get any fan for, don't ask for any fan for of it. I honestly hadn't even thought about how uh, women driven so many of the phase four stuff has like all of it is. You're totally right. I hadn't yeah. thought about it that way. It's been really, it's been really cool. And I think another thing that, um, you know, that's, that's been, uh, uh, it's a good way to set them up for success in the future. Cause they're preparing for, everyone's always says, where's the MCU going to go from here? I'm like, they have tons of directions and they've already told you where they're going to go. So oh my God. Why everybody everyone... ask those sorts of questions? They're so, they're, <laughs> because, Susan, Susan, people click more on negative things than positive things, and so they have to ask okay, questions. Fine. It's I'm a whole optimistic. outrage economy, and it works all the way down to comic books. Um, okay, she fine, murders fine. all the Illuminati. Professor Xavier, in the greatest appearance of this character in live action, full stop. I didn't see Logan, I won't see Logan. They demonstrate his powers in a way that you've never seen on live action, which is just do it like the goddamn animated series 1992, and it works perfectly. Um, she snaps his neck. They then go to the MacGuffin, the Book of Ashanti, which I'm being told is being heard as the Book of Ashanti. Um, that's not right. It's not an early 2000s song, Chris. (laughs) That's from Shanna. Shanna admitted that openly, and I want to make sure that's in the podcast. Um. (laughs) That's that's what it is now, though. That's that's what it is now. It's Ashanti. No, it's not. It's just... I've got a hotel to make still. Well, <laughs> that's on me, I guess. So it gets destroyed by Wanda. She steals America Chavez and throws Strange and this Christine Palmer variant to a world that's been destroyed by an incursion. And Susan, I'm going to plug once again the Character Corner podcast. Where we're talking about Jonathan Hickman's seminal Marvel Comics run ending with incursions and time runs out in Secret Wars, recording part nine this weekend. Very excited for you guys to hear. However, while you're like, what's well, an incursion? I'm in next seat next to you hyperventilating. But the cool thing is, like you said, it's both levels of experience. You're giving the taste of something that they're planning on doing. I've got an idea of what they might be doing, which could be completely different, but we're both excited just from that little nugget of information. We yep. get to meet a strange where things went wrong. He used the dark hole too much. He gets a third eye. Hotel jokes enter. They fight with music notes, which again, uh. Sam and me. God bless you. <laughs> It's just like it, the absurdity of it, but it makes, I, again, I'm like not questioning how any of that happened. I'm just like, ooh. <laughs> and what's interesting to me is that this is, the fi- this is the final fight. Like you think about the way these movies are structured, particularly the first strange movie, it ends with him like the reverse destruction of that city in China and a conversation with Mordo where he convinces him not to do what he's doing. This one literally has a fight where Strange fights himself, kills himself, and then, you know, uses dream walking to inhibit his own dead body in another reality. And fight Wanda. Yeah, it's pretty wild. 
it's it's a, like a, it's a zombie it's a zombie fighting a witch like that's literally what happens. Yeah, <laughs> they do a lot rainy. with this movie. As you've gone through back through this, I mean, my short term memory isn't so good as you know, but uh, I've heard there's just so much they pack so much. It moves two so hours. quickly. I've seen that complaint. People yeah. are like, well, there was no exposition, but the last movie that came out was Eternals, and everyone said there was too much exposition, which seems like people just want to complain. I'm not saying yep. they do. I'm just saying it seems a consistent thing for me to think. So the movie I, ends. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I appreciate, again, how they serve all audiences. They aren't like, this is an incursion. Let me tell you about what this is and explain it for 20 minutes. They Like the nod to things that may happen and uh, aspects of the story that are more familiar with historical fans. Like they just keep it moving. They nod to it. They keep it moving. Everybody's like, "Oh shit, what's gonna happen?" And then the next thing goes on. Like, well, it's been it's I been painted to the DNA since day one. Iron Man, the first movie in the whole franchise, has them slowly telling you that Shield is who's working with him. And at the end, with the thing yeah. of Nick Fury, there was no plan after that. They were like, "It'll be a cool Easter egg for fans. We're never gonna make another movie made." And then we now here we are, almost fourteen years later, fifteen years later, like. It's gotten crazy. Um, he fights himself with music. He, he possesses his own corpse or an alternate corpse. And, and a, a moment that I thought really resonated with both of us was Christine Palmer telling him, you're the master of the cigars. These are demons pestering you. And he turns demons into a cave. <laughs> can, I, can I interject real quickly? Please. I would like to start a band that's called... He fights himself with music. <laughs> we have a guitar you don't know how to play, so we can start there. <laughs> I just, the absurdity. Uh, it's like, and the whole Senate, what you just explained is so over the top. But it's, it's grounded in this universe so well. It's, it's so enjoyable to watch. So enjoyable. Uh, the film ends with Wanda versus Strange and Matt Wondergore with the soul of America Chavez on the line. Wanda is at first imprisoned by her, by uh, Wong and Strange. It turns out to be a replica of the exact same thing we saw in Act 1. He says, we can't stop her. We can't hold her. You have to take her powers. And now, because of the journey we've been on to the film, America says, I accept it. Take my powers. Take my life. Save the multiverse. Strange says, we're not going to do that, kid. And as he's winking at her through a zombie face, he gives the pep talk to sell her to go kick Wanda's ass. But does she kick Wanda's ass? Kind of. What she does is she opens the portal back to 838 and shows her the repercussions of her actions. Shows her the damage she's done to those boys, how much she's frightened them, how afraid they are of a woman who shares their mother's face. And she has to forgive herself. She has to be content knowing her children are loved. She brings down Matt, Matt Wondergore, allegedly dies. Strange uh, gets returned to his universe. Christine Palmer goes to hers. Comertage is rebuilt. She's training. He gets his third eye because he's dreaming off the corpse. In the mid credit scene, Charlie Theron is introduced to the MCU because apparently we've all been cast. We just don't know our roles yet. And she's going to be portraying Clea, who you don't know who that is because she looks just kind of like Sindel from Mortal Kombat. But she's a very cool character who actually ends up being, in the comics at least, Stephen Strange's ex-wife. 
I think I covered most of the movies. Is there anything that you really – you know what, honestly, I do want to touch on? Christine Palmer. Because hmm. you and I have gone back and forth on this. Yeah. You felt like she was underserved in this film. And you're probably right. You know, I came around. I came, I came back around. I, <laughs> like we, but like we talked about, I think I have just, they have set the bar so high. And mm-hmm. I mean, you, you going through the list of new characters that they've like really, uh, put on a pedestal and like given us more information about in the last, you know, since Endgame. So many of them are women. So now, anytime they put a woman on the screen, I'm like, what's your superpower? What can she do? She needs to be the lead. Like, I, I'm just three, I'm greedy. That's really all that it is. But we, we got more of her than we really the other movies. But it made me, th- it made me reconsider, like, as we had the conversation, it made me think about kind of the role she played. And part of Christine's role in these movies is that she, and particularly if you, like, look at it in conjunction with What If, she literally represents the regret that strange, none of these strangers across the multiverse could ever overcome. Yep. Yep. It's the guilt that was plaguing Hawkeye. It's the guilt that's plaguing Mark Spector. It's the guilt that's, pl- you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the guilt that was plaguing, uh, Widow at the end of Indian when she jumps off the, when she takes the, the fall. It's the idea that I've got to reconcile these things that I've done or things that I want to do or things that I can't let go of to move forward. And even uh, Hawkeye Winter Soldier, excuse me, Falcon Winter Soldier, part of that is Sam's hang-up of replacing Steve. Yeah. And so it's a, the whole phase is about moving forward to trauma. And I think it's going to be super interesting as we listen to um, Takeda's interviews about Love and Thunder. He says it's a middle-aged superhero movie about kind of dealing with the aftermath of trauma. And so it's while people were saying, oh, there's no, you know, there's no big bad of the, the phase. I remind you, phase one was getting to know your characters. And Miss Phase 4 apparently is, look at these broken characters we've broken. Yeah, the weight of what they've gone through. Right, right. And and universes. And now we know universes are going to be on the line again as we've tied back to the end of Loki and the explanation of before Sylvie did what she did, there was a multiverse. There was a multiversal war. There was one universal of standing. And with the words like incursions being thrown around and people being able to pass through multiverses, it's hard for me to see when people say, I don't know where this is going. And I'm like, but they've told you. They've laid out a pretty definitive roadmap of what's next. They've actually introduced you to the next stars of the MCU. All those kids are going to be on a team somewhere. That's just free. (laughs) I'm sorry. Don't cast these many kids without plans. And they've got plans. And I think that it's exciting to have them. Um, Even America's moms getting lost in the multiverse. Like, that's a thread you can pull up on. That's the thing I love about this is people walk out and say, I have so many questions. And Marvel looks at them and says, that's the point. That's how we get your money next time. Because of the question. Yes. You keep coming back for more. I buy comics every Wednesday because of the questions. Yep. It's it's a fantastic film-going experience. If you're listening this long, I hope you've already seen it. If you have, go see it again. If you haven't, now you know what happens. And so, I guess, kind of enjoy the experience. Um, Susan, thank you for doing this with me. I think I'm going to have you back on hopefully sooner than later. We'll talk about some of these other Marvel movies you missed. Maybe catch up Phase well, four before we get to Thor. 
Now you now that you've put that out into the world, you have to do it. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I do that. I just you know, hey, I hold myself accountable. But um, I know this Thor being recorded. Thunder was one of your Thor the uh, the Jane Foster run was one of the first comics you read, and then the Gore run was one of the first comics we read together. So this is going to be yeah. the first time you're going to go into one of these with a, a little bit of knowledge. How's it feel? I'm officially a nerd. Um, <laughs> if anybody has questioned me yet, I have I've made it. Here I am. I know things. Proud to have you. Proud to have you. Susan, thank you for coming on, and thank you for letting me steal your time for Between Two Palms. And everyone listening, thank you for listening to us on a Friday. hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll be back. New episodes recording on Sunday. We're going to have Chris on. We're going to talk about all the NBA playoff stuff. We're going to talk about Tom Brady's new contract to talk about football after he quits playing football. All the NFL schedule drops, including the Chargers, who – are my new favorite team. If you make your schedule drop in anime, I'm in full stop. That was your show. There is no outro. See you guys Monday.